Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there are so many reasons to let go, Judy. Frank may have promised you the world, and he may have loved you with a a fiery love, but the army's reported him missing. The Red Cross hasn't heard from him, heard of him, and you haven't had a letter or anything in over a year. It's time to grieve and just let go. You're still young and you've got your whole life ahead of you. Now, Roger Woods wants to ask you out. You should live a little and, and just go dancing with him. Frank's not coming back, no matter how hard you want to believe it. There are so many reasons to let go, Ramon. Just cooperate with the Japanese and let's just do the best we can with them in the charge of the Philippines now. You won't be putting your life or family at risk anymore and and you can go back to earning a living again instead of living hand to mouth in the jungle, hoping that maybe someday things will change. The Americans are gone and the Japanese are here to stay. Sure, MacArthur promised to come back, but but you can't hold on to that foolish hope anymore. Be realistic. Just let it go. Oh, there are so many reasons to let go, Maddie. I I suppose your father loves or or loved you in his way, but but he would be here if that meant anything to him. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment and heartbreak all over again, waiting for him to show up. You tried to reach out to him, even though your mom didn't want you to, and and you couldn't get through to him, that's all. He probably knows you want to see him, and it just isn't important to him. You should just forget him the way he's apparently forgotten you. It'll hurt a lot less that way. Just let go. There are so many reasons to let go, Christian. None of your friends, and certainly none of the cool people are believers, at least not the kind that take their faith seriously. Why should you risk standing out? And and what real good does it do you anyway? It's not like standing up for Jesus is going to make you money or, or get you ahead in your career. There are so many reasons to let go. Trying to live the way God wants His people to live isn't fun and it's not comfortable. In fact, it's hard and even harder when you realize no one else is doing it. So so quit trying. Let it go and just be yourself. Do what you want. Nobody's making you do anything. So from now on, if you want to do something, say something, think something that feels good, just Give in. Let go of that that closed, old-fashioned, backward, unfun faith that's not worth the trouble it causes. There are so many reasons to let go. You've been fighting the good fight for decades now, and haven't you had enough? You're tired, you're worn out, and let's be honest, the other side has won. They've got the government, the media, the schools, and the internet. There's nothing left to fight for. The powerful response you were looking for never came. Your prayers were never answered. Nothing's ever going to be the way you believed it should be. God apparently didn't care enough to come through for you, so why care any more about Him? Just give in 
and leave it all behind. There are so many reasons to let go. You have doubts sometimes. That must mean you're not really a believer after all. You're always so needy, asking God for stuff all the time. He's probably tired of hearing from you, and, and, and why should you expect him to help you now? You, you sin all the time, even though you don't want to, even though you promise time and time again you won't do those things anymore. So, so what's the point of even trying? And there are those, those things that you did. You, you know what they are. Things that make you shake in horror every time you remember that you did them. Do you really think that God will forgive you for that kind of stuff? Other people and their sins, maybe. But what you've done, it's just so far beyond, well, you've got no business hoping for forgiveness. You're probably going to hell anyway, so just let it go. Forget being a Christian. Leave your faith behind. Quit confessing Christ. Just stop. Do and believe something else, anything else. It'll be easier that way. There are so many reasons to let go. But don't hold on. There's even better reason to hold on. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your identity. Hold on to your confession. Hold on. We do not know who wrote the letter to the Hebrews, but we know why the Holy Spirit moved him to write it. The Hebrews in question were Jewish believers in Jesus who were in danger of turning away from him because, well, believing had become more difficult. Past persecution and the expectation of more was making a return to, to Judaism or, or even just living so that no one would know they were Christians it was making it very attractive, tempting even. The reasons to go another, easier way, to be something else and, and believe something different, well, they were seeming stronger and stronger and they were piling up. And so this letter was written to explain why that would be extremely foolish and to exhort them to remain faithful, to hold on to the only thing that mattered, to hold on to their confession of Christ and all that that means. And one of the main themes or points of the letter has to do with priesthood. A comparison of the earthly men who fill the position of high priest and the work they do with Jesus and his work. Hebrews presents Jesus not only as the long-promised Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for, but as the ultimate high priest who made the priesthood of the temple in Jerusalem no longer necessary, made it an, an outdated and an extraneous relic no longer required for a relationship with or for true worship of the Lord. And likely within a decade or so of the letter's writing, the, the truth of this lesson would have been driven home in a violent and unmistakable way. All of Jerusalem was leveled by the Romans and the temple completely destroyed. And thus there was no longer any role 
or reason for a high priest. But the Holy Spirit's intention with the book of Hebrews was not to, to downgrade the Old Testament priesthood. It was point, to, point, to its, point its readers, both then and now, point them to Jesus as the only high priest anyone needs and the only high priest that matters so that the unbelieving would put their trust in him and so that the weak and wavering would be encouraged to stand fast and to grow stronger in their faith. All of this is encapsulated in the three verses that are our second reading today, Hebrews 4, 14-16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, namely, Jesus, the Son of God, let us continue to hold on to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay. So Christ is our great high priest. What makes him so great? First, the writer mentions that Christ has gone through the heavens. A high priest of the old covenant starts on earth and ends on earth. In his work as high priest, he begins outside with all the regular people, then goes into the inner courts of the temple, then the holy place where only the priests are allowed, and then, just once a year on the Day of Atonement, into the holy place, the, the holy of holies, the most holy place where only he is allowed. And then he comes back out again as just a man and rejoins the rest of the people. But the great high priest, who is Christ, came from the actual presence of God in heaven, then joined the regular people of earth as one of them. And then, when his work and sacrifice was complete, passed back into heaven, where he intercedes with the Father on his people's behalf. It is not hard at all to see who comes out ahead in this comparison. And next, by identifying this great high priest as Jesus, the Son of God, the writer deals with a number of things very concisely. His readers would remember that one of the main functions of the high priest was to serve as a, a representative, even a go-between. He would represent the people before God and God before the people. But the great high priest embodies all of this in one person. Jesus represents us as the fully human Son of Mary, and the Son of God represents the Almighty among us in the flesh and blood of our Savior. With Christ as our mediator, the role of a high priest in a temple, no matter how holy, becomes unnecessary and redundant, even a distraction, an obstacle to faith. Now the point in these verses that is perhaps most striking to us as Christians today, since we do not have a, a, any experience of the temple worship the way the first readers of Hebrews might have, 
thing that strikes us is the one that deals with temptation. All the things that made Jesus such a great and superior high priest could easily be seen as things that that separate him entirely from our human experience. Things that would make us feel like, like he could never understand our problems or struggles and therefore would likely be ever unmoved by our pleas for help. But no, the complete opposite is true. He is able to sympathize with our every weakness because he was tempted in every way just as we are. Of course, this is not to say that Jesus was ever tempted to drive through a red light when no one was looking or to click on a pornographic website online. What it means is that every type of temptation that we as human beings have to deal with, Jesus dealt with and more. We saw in today's gospel the the brazen attempts of Satan to, to tempt Christ into sin and unfaithfulness. But we can be sure that there were many more that were less open and obvious. In his life, he would have been presented with with countless opportunities to to break the Ten Commandments and to indulge in, in fleshly pleasures instead of doing what pleased his father. He would have been tempted to use his divine power or prerogatives to avoid hard work and unpleasant situations. When the Pharisees and other enemies tried to trip him up or get in the way of his mission, He would have been tempted to to lose his temper and teach them a harsh lesson about who they were really dealing with. When he was tired or hungry, he would have been susceptible to sins born of irritability or frustration. And especially, especially when he was betrayed by one of his own disciples, falsely convicted in a miscarriage of justice, scourged and mocked by cruel and callous soldiers, and finally sent off to be crucified by a gutless Roman governor who'd already declared him innocent, well, the temptation to lash out in anger or to curse God for the unfairness of it all or to abandon faith in despair, the temptation would have been all too real. So we see that every temptation that comes with being human, everything that you and I have to deal with as sinners in a sinful world, Jesus had to deal with too. And amazingly, He withstood it all and never sinned. That is practically impossible for us even to imagine. Because for us, with just about every temptation that comes, well, it's met with consideration. Hmm. And with every, yeah, I could do that. That might feel good. Even if it is quickly dismissed, we sin. But with Jesus, that never happened. Every single temptation was dismissed as contrary to the will of God without considering how good it might feel or how reasonable it might be to give in. He came through it all, unscathed and unstained by sin. He did this not because it was easy, it was the opposite, but because it was necessary to save us. 
For his sacrifice on the cross to count, to cancel out all the world's sins, Jesus had to be perfect and sinless. Otherwise, he would simply be dying for his own errors and guilt. And this brings us to the other main function of the high priest, which is expanded on later in Hebrews. The offering of sacrifices for sin. The merely human, still sinful priests of the Old Covenant brought and burnt offerings to God in response to their and, and the people's sins. But those sacrifices themselves did not actually remove anyone's guilt, not even the priests. And they had to be repeated year after year by priest after priest. The sacrifice that Jesus, the great high priest, offered was not the flesh of a lamb or the blood of a bull. It was his own body and life. And he went willingly to the altar of the cross as the sinless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there his death paid the price that wiped out all humanity's debt, stain, and guilt before God. One man, one death. One Savior, one sacrifice once and for all. One great high priest. This is who Christ is and what Christ did. This is what the gospel tells us. This is the good news of our salvation. And this is the power that transforms us from sinners into saints and gives us an inheritance and anchor in heaven above. This is what you have been taught. This is the faith that you were baptized into and given, and this is what you confess. Or to put it another way, this is the reason you've been looking for. There were so many reasons to let go, but you only need one reason to hold on. The grace of God in Jesus Christ. In Him. Because of the price He paid to cancel out our sin, you have forgiveness for every temptation you have ever given into, for every godless desire you have ever indulged, for every rationalization of selfishness and greed. In Christ, you have a Savior and a champion who has delivered you not only from the guilt of your sin, but from its captivating power and from the grasping of Satan and the grip of the grave. His offering and advocacy mean that no matter how much you have merited hell, when you rely on Him, He will give you heaven instead. And because Jesus did not stay in the, His tomb, but was raised to life on the third day, you too will have eternal life after you die. Life not just as another go-around here on earth, but in the perfect an unending, undisturbable bliss of paradise. And since God really wants you there with Him in the next life, He has promised to protect and preserve you in faith while you remain in this life. And Jesus is all the evidence you need that God keeps such promises. All of this is God's grace in Christ. His undeserved love for us undeserving sinners. Favor we could never merit, buy, or earn, which is precisely why He gives it. Because we would have no chance of heaven without it, without Jesus, our great high priest. 
and Jesus our brother. Because a place in God's family and the fellowship that we then enjoy with all our brothers and sisters in faith, that's yet another blessing of grace in Jesus, the Son of God, who became just like us. Your place in God's family is something more for your faith, your hope, your joy, your strength, and your confession to hold on to. Hold on to. Because we have a God who loves us. Loves us so much He gave His Son to be our Savior. Hold on. Because we have a God who keeps all of His promises. Hold on, because we have a God who wants us home with Him and who does everything necessary to make it so. So when those reasons to let go begin to pile up, and when we have needs, needs for strength, for peace, for help, for healing, for love, for comfort, for wisdom, for guidance. Whenever we find ourselves weary or wondering, doubting or despairing, in the midst of strife or at the end of our rope, instead of running the other direction or, or even just falling down in a hopeless heap, we have the privilege and every good reason to actually approach the throne of the Almighty Creator and Lord of the universe and say, please, and He will answer, yes, my beloved child, yes. We have the confidence to come near to God in prayer and expectation because we know His Son, the great High Priest who has gone before and interceded for us. We can be bold, because His gifts to us have shown that for those who put their trust in Jesus, the throne of the Almighty is not a terrible place of wrathful punishment, but is instead an endless spring of grace, mercy, and love. We have a Father who loves to listen to His children, a Father who attends to our every need, who gives us what is best for us, and who answers us exactly as we need to be answered. Whatever the situation, wherever we are, whenever we struggle or strain, however we might be tempted to give in, give up, or let go, our high priest is there in love, in power, in ready anticipation of our every need. So you have every reason to hold on. So do it. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your Savior. Hold on to your confession when everyone around you is abandoning theirs and, and mocking anyone who takes a stand. Hold on to your desire, intention, and discipline to do what is right and godly, even when your sinful nature and the people you call your friends are telling you to give in to what pleases you instead of what pleases your Father in heaven. Hold on to your hope, even when your life seems most hopeless. Hold on to the truth when others insist that truth cannot be known or that truth changes to suit the moment. You know better because you know Jesus. You are better and stronger because He is your great High Priest. You have everything you need in Him. So hold on. Amen.
Please rise. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and in His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and establish you in every good deed and word. Amen.